You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Better Man Podcast. Adam Tarno here, joined in studio by Chris Harper. So Chris, last week we put out an episode where we talked about suffering, despair. We talked about all the tragic things happening in the world and how we react to those. Uh, We talked about Psalm 23 and how the Lord leads us through these valleys and one of the big takeaways was this idea of, of keeping our eyes on the horizon, understanding that, yes, we're learning things in the midst of this valley or storm that we're in, we're being made stronger, but one of the ways we're going to be able to endure this is also recognizing that all storms run out of rain eventually, and so how can I keep my eyes focused on uh, when I get out of this? And so today we're going to unpack that a little bit more and how we can do that and just some um, yeah, just some ways that that'll be helpful for us as guys. Yeah, it was so good, man. And you framed it. You framed it so well last week. This is not this is not minimizing pain. This is not minimizing suffering. We're actually acknowledging that suffering is inevitable. right? we We live in a broken world. It's a world full of pain and hurt and sadness. And eventually that sadness touches all of us. Yeah, none of us are immune, right? So, so the question is, man, when the sadness comes, when the darkness comes, when the when the storm comes, like like, what do we do? What do we do? And there's this there's this tremendous story in Mark chapter four, um, the storm on the Sea of Galilee, right? If you've been in church any amount of time, been in Scripture any amount of time, you've read this, you've seen this, you've heard it preached. Uh, Jesus is asleep in the boat, right? The disciples. You know, are not uh, are not. <laughs> That's right. Like yeah. they're flipping out, yes. right? And the and the scripture says the water and the waves are are beating upon the boat, breaking the boat apart. And so one of the disciples, I'm assuming it's Peter, because he's always putting his his foot in his mouth. But he wakes Jesus up and he asks Jesus the dumbest question in all of Scripture. There's there, there's a lie in the world today that there's no such thing as a stupid question. That's that's a lie. <laughs> there are dumb questions, um, and one of them is captured in Mark four. One of them is captured in Mark four. <laughs> Peter asks Jesus, assuming it's Peter, the dumbest question ever. Don't you care that we're going to die? Uh, can you imagine asking the Savior of the world, the very person? who is there because you are dying, <laughs> who's going to go to the cross to save your life, um, um, don't you care? So, so why, did, why did Peter ask that question? Well, he asked the question because he missed the promise. When, when Jesus said, let's get into the boat and go to the other side, he wasn't making a suggestion. He wasn't offering a ride. Jesus was declaring a promise. He was saying, if you're in the boat with me, we're going to make it to the other side, right? What Jesus doesn't tell us is how we're going to get there. Some of us, maybe we get to arrive on a 50-foot yacht. Most of us are probably going to show up hanging onto a piece of driftwood. That's right. <laughs> right? Like the end of the Titanic rose on the, on the door. That's it, <laughs> yeah. man. That's it. But, but the promise is, if you're with me, for me, and I'm for you, right? Jesus and us, like we're going to get to the other side. So, so as as men, the journey is the journey, right? It's different for us all. I I would love to tell you that my whole life has been Hebrews eleven, the first part, right? I'm putting foreign armies to flight. I'm shutting the mouths of lions, right? I'm receiving everything I want in the recesses of my heart, right? But the reality is there's a second half to that passage, 
which basically says um, most were tortured, right? They were left to wander in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, not worthy of this world, right? And here's the deal. You don't get to pick. I don't get to pick I want to shut the mouths of lions every day or I want to wander the earth mistreated and afflicted. Like that has... Uh, and and don't get nervous when I say this, listeners. But like that has been sovereignly ascribed. That's right. Right. You don't you don't get to pick the what. What you do get to pick is how. How are you going to respond in those moments of fear, doubt, pain, suffering, storms? What I want you to hear today is that my prayers. You don't respond like Peter. You don't respond by asking a stupid question. How did Jesus respond? Remind me. So Jesus, Jesus wakes up. Um, the Bible says he uh, basically tells the sea to be still, and then he looks at his disciples and he says, Oh, you of little faith. And his disciples respond with, Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, what's interesting, I was, I was preaching that sermon once at, a, um, at the um, biblical... No, the Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics, which is the worst name of a university ever. It's the it's the Bible Translator Training School. They asked me to come do chapel, which is kind of nerve wracking because, like, in the crowd are people who literally live the Hebrew and Greek every day. And um, so I get done uh, preaching the sermon, and a Greek scholar begins to approach me, which which is you just know it's this my is worst not nightmare, well. right? Yeah. And he was like, "Young man, you know, he was an older man. He said, "Young man, you know, that was so good, but I have a question for you.'" I'm like, "Oh, here it comes." He said, "He said, what do you think the disciples meant when Jesus said, uh, or when or when the disciples said, don't you care that we?'" Are going to die," he said. He said, "In the Greek, we," he said, "we can't really translate that because it's so interesting." He said, "He said I can say we went to dinner, and it might mean you and I went to dinner, or it may mean that my wife and I went to dinner last night, and I'm telling you about it." He said. So the crux of this passage is on that word "we." Did the disciples mean we twelve are going to die, or we thirteen? Right? And he said, "What do you think?" I said, "I don't know." What do you think? He said, well, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the scholar. But you're the preacher. That's and right. So, yeah. I said, I said, well, I think it's we 13. He said, why do you say that? I said, because um, they ask, um, who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? They don't know that he's God yet. Uh, okay. Well, I'll buy that. They don't know that he's God. Yeah. And so I think they think they're all, all going to die. Yeah. Right? Brother, I think, I think that's a part of our problem. Yeah. Like... We either trust Jesus, we either believe the promise that he's going to get us to the other side, or we don't. Yeah, yeah. We don't. What, what about, I mean, so here's where my heart goes with all that. It's like, I, I get the beginning, I get the end, those are ascribed, ordained. But man, I would love to have a turbulence-free flight, boat trip, car ride, at, you know, and I... Like I'm not okay with that part, or that's the part that bothers me. Is I, I wish there were fewer bumps along the way. Thought, thoughts there? I mean, what, yeah. what what would you say to to that person that may be thinking that? Yeah. So first of all, there probably could be a lot of the wind and waves we bring upon ourselves with our selfishness, our disobedience, our our heading east away from Eden, <laughs> right? So the the reality is for the majority of people listening to this. Um, 
most of the tragedy and suffering that has probably um, come into your life in a lot of ways was self-inflicted. So I just want to acknowledge that, um, the personal responsibility in that. Um, your life could be and would be and should be um, a lot more drama-free if you would just obey the Bible. If you would just obey the Bible. Now, with that being said, we do live in a fallen, broken world where the prince of this world is Satan, right? And he is, he is creating things and orchestrating things. Um, because of the fall, there are natural disasters and um, why, everything from wild animals that want to kill you, yeah. right? I mean, we're, we're, we're at war, right? So, so even if you obeyed the Bible perfectly, which you can't, but even if you did, there are still going to be things in this broken world that are going to try to bring you down. Right, so so in the midst of that, in the midst of the the suffering and the trials, and the hardships that are beyond your control, right, um, you have to you have to trust the promises of God if you're going to make it through the storm. You have to. Uh, I tell people, fix your eyes on the other side. Yeah. You know, one of um, I have this painting hanging in my office. It's it's a it's not a real Rembrandt, obviously. But it's a replica, and one of his famous paintings is the Sea of Galilee. Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Google it. Look it up. Most people don't know Rembrandt painted himself in the, most of his paintings. So when you look at the sea, uh, Storm on the Sea of Galilee, um, in the forefront of the painting, there's a little bitty guy with a light blue jacket on, and it's Rembrandt. And you'll notice that all the disciples in the boat are focused on Jesus trying to wake him up, but Rembrandt's gaze is focused on the other side. He's focused on where Jesus said he would take him, yeah. right? And I think Rembrandt was kind of secretly telling us a story in the painting that, listen, Jesus said, I'm going to take you to the other side. I'm going to fix my eyes on the horizon. I'm going to go to the other side. Yeah, that's really good. And and I remember um, <clears throat> shortly after I become a Christian, I'm reading a book with uh, a guy that was discipling me, the pastor of my church, and it was a... I think it was called Man to Man, Chuck Swindoll. And um, I remember reading that chapter on suffering and kind of coming into that meeting going, nobody told me this, that this was inevitable. Um, and as a new Christian, it, it, it just showed where I had a lot of bad theology. You know, I thought, oh, follow God and life is good. No turbulence. He protects you from everything. Obviously, I know more now and understand that that's not, that's not the path in the way that he has for us. And so I, I bring all that up because I, I think what you're saying is exactly right. The perspective really drives so much of our reaction and the choice that we're going to make is, do we view this as um, God is bad, and so he's allowed bad things to happen to me, or God's not upholding his part of the bargain, so he's allowing bad things to happen to me, or... Um, this this feels unfair. Again, anything that would maybe lead us to feel like a victim, right. where we would just wallow in despair and do nothing. But if we can have that perspective to go, no, he's good. He promised that these things are going to happen. He's just, in control. He's in control. Yeah. He's not surprised. This isn't, this isn't, as we alluded to in the last episode, I don't have to over-spiritualize this. This isn't because I did something bad. This is just life. Life throws curveballs. And it starts there and going, okay, next. So now... What am I going to learn in this? What are some activities? Is there anything I can do in the midst of it, especially for the self-inflicted wounds that we bring upon ourselves? There's a lot, uh, there's a, probably a pretty long to-do list of things you can do in the midst of that storm to help ease uh, what's going on there. 
but it it does it starts with that perspective of all right this is this is just life and uh, and I, I I'm not saying that to be cynical but just to not be surprised by it that helps us maintain that right perspective in the midst of it yeah and I think that's such a good word Adam the the idea the the preaching to yourself okay God's in control you know I I, I talk often of the crucifixion and again. I want to be sensitive to people who maybe don't have the same theological grid, but you can't read the scriptures and not see that that the crucifixion was planned. It was ordained. Like Jesus didn't accidentally get himself crucified. Yeah. No, yeah, you're <laughs> there right. There wasn't a plan A and then all of a sudden plan B was well, crucifixion and then we'll save the world. Yeah. No. Like from the beginning, the greatest tragedy in the history of histories was planned. It was the crucifixion. Right to the point that the Bible says Jesus had his his face set on the cross like flint. Yeah, wouldn't be moved to the left or right. Right, even in the midst of him praying, Lord, take this cup of wrath for me, but not my will, your will be done. Mm. Right. So Jesus going to the cross was determined. What was not determined is how Jesus would respond. Right. That's that's human volition. That's free will, right? So, so Jesus has this chance in the greatest tragedy of tragedies, right? He can do, he can do a couple of things, right? Uh, the first thing he could do is just say, uh, forget y'all, call down some angels, and let's hit reset. Like he had full ability, full power to do that, okay? He chose not to. Second thing he could have done was say, um, poor, poor, pitiful me. This is unfair. I haven't sinned. I'm like a, I'm like a lamb being led to the slaughter out yeah, here. Yeah. Can't believe you all would do this to me, right? He didn't do that. What he did was, man, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He showed mercy and kindness and compassion. Y'all, that was a choice Jesus made. I think in Christ... We have the same ability to make those choices, right? Yeah. We can sit in the midst of our suffering right now and say, and say, you, you know what, God? I don't deserve this. Man, I can't believe they're treating me like this, right? We can shake our fist at God and say, like, like, who are you to do this to me? Like, you said you're in control. You're not in control. Like, what, what did the one thief say? If you are the Son of God, call upon your Father. Take yourself down from this cross, right? Or I think we can respond like Jesus did and say, you know what? I'm going to choose kindness and mercy and compassion. I'm going to choose to keep my gaze fixed on you, to look to the other side. I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to remain faithful, God. I don't have the strength to do it on my own. Bring me your Holy Spirit, right? Yep. But I'm making a choice to follow you in the midst of the darkness. That's so good. So, again, somebody's driving around listening to this, and they're by themselves. <clears throat> this sounds like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. That's the way I'm going to respond to the next storm. Then they're going to get around their friends, um, and or and and like maybe start to hear some dumb things that their friends are going to say to them in the midst of suffering, right? Uh, some things that are maybe going to pull them off sides, um, or let, let's flip that around. Let's make this a little bit more positive. Maybe we're not in the storm right now. So you use the analogy earlier of like you're going into, you're in the middle of, or coming out of a storm. Maybe you've just come out of a storm, but you're going to be seeing somebody today who's in the middle of a storm. So just as brothers, like what are what are some things that we say to each other in the midst of these that maybe um, 
are not helpful. They sound yeah. good, but are not helpful. Does that question make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for asking that. Um, my, my my first thought on that would be most of the time you don't need to say anything at all. That's good. Yeah, like you probably should talk less and listen more when people are in the storm. Um, we so undervalue the ministry of proximity, of just being near someone when they're suffering, when they're sad, when they're hurting. Uh, and as men, I think we're naturally prone to think, man, I should have an answer for this, when in, when in reality you, you don't have an answer, and, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, what you shouldn't do is just quote some Bible verse out of context um, I would say a few, but I think I'm going to hurt some people's feelings, so I'm not. Um, but but yeah, let's just not let's just not open the Bible and grab one or two verses about the plans and the future the Lord has for you, and yeah. just like like yeah. paint that over people, because the reality is that may not be true for them. That's right. Um, they may be suffering <clears throat> from cancer right now, and the Lord has no intention of healing them. Yeah, that's right. Right. If I think about at least this side of there. Yeah, that's yeah. that that's really well said. And maybe so we've talked a lot about keep your eye on the horizon. God's going to get you through this. If I'm in the midst of a storm, one of the things I don't want to hear is I bet something God's going to teach you something good in this, right? Or I bet tomorrow like that's going to stop hurting when it stops hurting. You know, that type of thing. It's and so maybe if we are going to open up our mouth, I love what you're saying about, about listening, but if we are going to open up our mouth, what I, what I want to be reminded of in the midst of the storm is that I'm not alone. And so it's not like, oh, there's going to be something great on the horizon. It's, it's more like, hey, God is with you now. He's here. Uh, he's in the midst of this. This is hard. Uh, and I recognize that. I just want to let you know he's here. Absolutely. And Adam, that's so biblical, right? That's what Hebrews is about. We we have a great high priest that has suffered in every way that we have, right? So so maybe a great thing to say to your friend who's suffering is, is hey, man, honestly, I don't know what that feels like, but Jesus does. But Jesus does. And I don't know what that means to you, um, uh, but I just wanted you to know that. Right, that'd be a great man. If if I was suffering and someone came up to me and said, "Oh, bro, like I know how you feel." Like, bro, no, you don't. You don't know how I feel, right? But but if he was just honest and said, "Hey, man, like like I don't know how you're feeling right now, but but I know this is what Scripture says that that Christ does." Um, uh, so just be comforted by that. That's right, bro, dude. I think that would be uber helpful. Dude. It is. It is, and it reminds me of the story that Larry Crabb told in oh gosh, either Shattered Dreams or The Pressure's Off, long, old book. But he called it. It was a chapter called God in the Bathroom, and he told a story about when he was a little kid, he got locked in a bathroom, and there were, the the door was locked, and so his father um, went and got a ladder climbed up, came in through the window, and sat with him in the bathroom until his mom could find the key and they could get the door unlocked wow. and he could go. And he, and he, and he used that, that metaphor as like, what I want God to do is just to pound open the bathroom door and let me free so I can go back and play with my friends. But often what he does is he does what my dad did, is we're in a very scary place and he comes and he sits with us and God is with us and his presence is there and he's, and he's there with us. And then, you know, eventually the door gets open and, and you move on. But but that, I just was so comforted by that idea because it's like, yeah, I would love for there to be no turbulence. But in the midst of turbulence, I, 
I don't have to fret because I know God is with me. Yeah. He's, he's there yeah. with me in the bathroom, yeah. or whatever that, bathroom I'm going through. That's right, <laughs> that's right, man. And that's so, bro, that's so full circle on the text, right? Jesus was in the boat. He like, was that in was the key. Yeah. And I love how Mark describes it. Like, Mark gets into detail. Mark says he was asleep on the cushion. Like, like sleeping comfortably. Like he's comfortable. <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, he's on his Tempur-Pedic pillow, yeah. got a little plush blanket. Yeah. yeah, we're good. Yeah. Right. And and he's there, right? And and of course, this is now moving into conjecture. I don't exactly know what happened, but my guess is like when they woke him up, he just didn't spring into action. <laughs> my guess is he groggy. probably stretched. Yeah, pulled a little stretch and yeah. you know, kind of took in the lay of the land. Maybe he he he. You feeling like this? And yeah. How you feeling right yeah. now? Okay, okay. And and then he moved into action. But but my guess is he had them sit in that storm as long as they needed to learn something from him. That's good. I love it. Well, these these have been two incredibly helpful episodes, uh, Chris. As we talk about uh, despair and suffering, because again. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow's headlines are going to be. Right. Uh, there's going to be something. It's going to be something until Jesus' return. And so this is part of what marks us as followers of Jesus is our ability to go through this. And, to, and this is how we're made strong. And God is glorified in the midst of all of it. And so this has been really helpful. And it very well, it very well may, may be the greatest witness you ever have. How you, how you respond to God in the world in the midst of your suffering, you know, when... My my best friend in the world, my mother, when she was diagnosed with cancer and 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 passed away, um, for years this is not an exaggeration. For years, I would get emails and letters. Everyone from the ambulance driver to the nurses she touched while she was going through her treatment, just about the joyful spirit in the Lord she had and how that was an encouragement to them. Um, most of most of everyone listening, you're not going to have some national ministry platform. Your greatest testament to Christ will be how you handle suffering. Do not forget that. Excellent. Chris, as always, great to be with you. See you, bro. Every week here on the Better Man Podcast, our aim is to give you real tips on how you can be the better man that God has made you to be. And we do this because we meet guys all the time who want to be a better man, but they don't know how to do it. Most men get their cues on what it means to be a man from the culture. And although there are some great examples out there, we believe the most common cultural examples of masculinity fall short of what God wants from us. Well, today, in addition to this podcast, we want to let you know about a bonus resource. It's called Five Ways to Be a Better Man. It's a free e-publication written to simplify and encourage your pursuit of biblical masculinity. It's actionable, it's quick to read, and it's free. All you have to do is go to betterman.com, put in your email address, and you will be able to download this publication called Five Ways to Be a Better Man. So go on out there right now, betterman.com. Once again, that's betterman.com.